trying to find skilled people, but more importantly, right? Like people willing to work. And it's not only a challenge that I, that we face on our farm, everybody, like every, oh, yeah. and it's all farmers across the U.S. Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by Map It Forward, friends. I'm your host, Lee Safar, and this is episode three of a five-part series where we're talking about the role of coffee grown in Hawaii in 2024. And now we're going to get to the juice of this series um, and something that I think is going to be an interesting narrative to track in 2024, not just for coffee that's grown in Hawaii, but also coffee grown in many regions across the world. In this episode, Abby, we're going to talk about why coffee is so expensive in Kona, both roasted but particularly green, and how that's going to evolve across 2024. So why do you think the, well, there are obvious reasons why coffee is expensive in Kona, but can you help people understand those obvious reasons and perhaps the not so obvious reasons? I mean, to me, they all are obvious reasons, right? Okay. Like, define, define expensive. Right. If an adversary were to take a look in our books, they would quickly understand the cost structure, right? Oh, hell yeah. No one is going home with $100,000 wages if even... I mean, right. our farm workers earn more than our the farm owners, right? Right. Um, but, you know, I just like another discussion for another time, right? Which I would dare to be brave enough to say, like, let's bring some other stakeholders from the coffee industry, specifically, let's say the Kona coffee industry, like who would be willing to be completely transparent, right? With cost of production and those kind of things. And I, because it is expensive right down to the packing tape that we have to buy, right? Or the material, how how much it costs for us to literally ship one bag of coffee. It costs $10.59 for one bag of coffee. Mm -hmm. You know, bag of coffee for me to go to the U.S. mainland. And I don't get to just choose ground shipping because there's no ground that connects you right. from Hawaii to California or Arkansas or fill in the blank, right? right? And so it is excellence 100% all the way down to our shipping partners. And so, right, like we obviously like are limited, like if we, let's talk about the obvious, like our limited coffee production available um, compared to other coffee growing regions. Uh, we just have only this minuscule, minute area of land, right? So our output, therefore, is minuscule, right? We also like Kona specifically, it's restricted to specific growing regions. So if you aren't within the longitude and latitude of the district of Kona, it's not Kona coffee. Mm. You could be following, you could have, you could have my exact same seed stock from Hacienda La Esmeralda in Panama. Um, you could be following my exact same farming practices, your pH levels, your, all of that could be the same in your soil um, and just simply because you're not within that district, you 
you know, you don't get to use the brand of Kona. And the brand of Kona adds to the price, right? Absolutely. Just like Napa Valley wine or Willamette wine, like from the Willamette growing region, right? But more, most famously would be Napa or like Bordeaux wines. Okay. Um, Right. And so that limited supply leads to higher production costs, Mm -hmm. right? Um, We talked about shipping costs a little while ago. Cost of shipping is really astronomical. Um, And it's a major hurdle, but like even more specifically, the logistics of getting things from the mainland to here, right? To imports, right? So coffee bags, roasted coffee bags, or even you know, three mil, five mil bags that we use for stirring parchment. Luckily, there's enough folks, you know, being in Hawaii, everyone wants to come visit you, right? There's enough folks coming. Um, We homeschool Joshua out of California. So there's like some opportunity to go back and forth to California. So we just really monopolize our luggage, right? Mm -hmm. 49.9 pounds, and the maximum size that we can. Um, and we schlep boxes back and forth from California to Hawaii so that we can forego shipping costs. Because a lot of shipping will go free to California, but won't go free um, to Hawaii. And so that becomes astronomical, astronomical cost of land. Um, and I mean, I feel like those are all like really obvious. But maybe it's only obvious because we're li- I'm living that life right um i guess another one just just to say something there uh, the the most obvious of all obvious is the cost of labor yeah and i mean we haven't gotten to that right like we're already in the red because of shipping land and that i can't grow enough coffee i mean that is everyone's when you look at the books if i could just grow i mean you say that all the time how do we get more yield? How do you get more yield? Where can you put more trees? More product, right? we have more, product more product, more product. Right. We have 122 acres ready to be developed with more and with the availability to grow more coffee. I can't get enough people to take care of the seven acres that we have. What how are we right. gonna get 122? Right. So um, right. We we all then you got like sustainability and climate change like coffee leaf rust made its way here and that not only threatens our farms but it impacts our yields right mm-hmm. coffee leaf rust attacks the leaf structure um, now the plant doesn't get proper photosynthesis without proper photosynthesis it's not going to make more leaves which isn't going to produce fruit right like it just compounds the cost of we just had to treat some of the pacamara for. Um, with preoxer cost two thousand dollars, and that's not even enough to treat the whole farm. Like we have to do that twice a year, right? So all of those environmental, like that comes like pest threats, right? Some of that comes from um, environmental and climate change, right? It like as we adapt and we look for two adaption measures to help like sustain these things, it just becomes more costly. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, oh my gosh, labor. Trying to find skilled people, but more importantly, right? Like people willing to work. And it's not only a challenge that I that we face on our farm. Everybody, like every oh, yeah. 
and it's all farmers across the U.S. This episode is proudly brought to you by Mapper Forward's workshop, It's Time to Become a Coffee Consultant. Learn how to diversify your revenue streams and create freedom from your day job while saying goodbye to that alarm clock forever by becoming a consultant within the coffee industry or directly to consumers who have shifted towards home brewing and home roasting. Protect your income from challenging times in the coffee value chain by taking this course today. Go to mapperforward.coffee forward slash workshops or click the link in the show notes for details. We have friends that are ranchers, people that have peony farms. No one can find help. And it's across, you know, and not just U.S. ag industry, but globally. And, right? And I would beg to say that that was a challenge that we have been facing for us for a long time. And we don't know, like, was it just uh, people not able, like during COVID, not able to come to Hawaii? Is it um, people just not, not wanting to work, right? But this year, I would say we've been able to successfully overcome that challenge with our internship program, right? But lack of labor makes it really challenging for small producers, um, specifically, right, like you have to either figure out more technology to replace the people who you don't have. Um, you either, maybe if you're growing specialty crop coffee, a specialty crop for us, we could like drop down our expectations, right? Cause you got fruit rotting on the tree cause you have no one to pick the coffee, right? So it's impacting, potentially impacting your yield. Um, I mean, I don't like labor is like, all of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and when we yeah. look at the numbers for, for when we're selling the green coffee, when we're selling the roasted coffee, all of it, that's the heavy, heavy part of it. Yeah. Let alone and- running the farm, right? Running the farm because everything's paid not only in US dollars but at US prices. So nothing is cheap. Nothing is cheap. No. And so as we kind of like look at what 2024 20, right? As we look into 2024 and how that evolves, like, where do you like, right? It's either you rate, I mean, you've already, I mean, we've done like from the words of Lise Farr, Herculean steps, measures that decrease our operating expenses, you know, in the triple digits, right? Like we are really working hard at that. We worked really hard at that this year. Um, right. But then at what point now you got to build revenue and we did not, um, on our roasted coffee, uh, implement a price increase, even though the global economy said the opposite this year, like we are holding through to try to stay, um, as affordable as possible, um, while still paying our employees fair wages and, Um, Our full-time employees are given health benefits and a great health benefits package. You know, like I'm not, I'm not going to cut the fat on our people. Um, Can I say something there? Abby's not going to be able to explain what she means by Herculean efforts. I want to explain what, what we mean. So I've been working with Monarch for a couple of years now. 
as a consultant. And the the very real threats that face coffee producers post-pandemic are are real as we come into a cost of living crisis. And to prepare a business to navigate those so well so that they not only look after the health of the business, but also to be able to look after their staff and look after their customers while also looking after themselves is hard to say the least. But in order, in, in being able to do that and achieve 117% year on year revenue growth, as well as the same amount in net profit, it was actually higher in net profit, is wild. It is Herculean. And all of that came from being focused, working really, really hard, being vulnerable and finding strength in the vulnerability of understanding where the business needs to grow, looking at what we're not doing well, finding ways to ask for help from each other, from within the business, from outside of the business, and learning how to have better conversations with the stakeholders inside and outside of the business. Would you agree, Abby? That's for those who are just listening, that was a, a nod of the head. Oh, um, yes. And and the Herculean effort comes from the person who's running all of it saying, how do I show up for every stakeholder in this business and invite them to be the best version of themselves so that they can conspire to the success of the business? Yeah. This wasn't about the person who was running the show saying, I'm the best and I can do everything. This was about you, Abby, turning around, and this is what I observed from you. This was about you turning around and saying, how do we invite everybody to be the best version of themselves so that the plan that we've got in place affords everybody the opportunity to shine? And so this is where I get to publicly say congratulations to you as a leader for doing that because you enabled during a, during very difficult and challenging times you empowered your team to start that process and as 2024 unfolds and 2025 unfolds and we have an economic shift globally this is going to be their normal gear they're not going to be getting ready for some big massive event for them they are already in that flow yeah which is flow. why why we set the theme of 2023 to be flow and 2024 we set the theme for the business to be momentum so con- i mean massive congratulations to you and your team everybody in the team because this was a herculean effort and you did receive uh, you did achieve herculean results none of those results are guaranteed in the next year oh right and so this is when we when we look at like understanding the cost structure of coffee in hawaii and then looking at the forces that may come into play in 2024 this is not just a monarch coffee farm situation this is a situation for coffee producers all over Kona and Hawaii 
and the entire world. And I, I would add another layer on top of that to say that as we look at different countries that grow coffee around the world, each of them is currently facing their own geopolitical nightmare and, and stress, which adds another layer on top of all of that. Now, I say these things not to scare people. I say these things to help the consuming end of the market, not the consumers, the consuming end of our supply chain to help you understand what it is that coffee producers have to go through to get us the product that we end up selling into the market because that is massively underappreciated. Yeah, like if people realize that really am I a coffee producer, right? Like, mm. you know, like my passion is the coffee. Like I love, I love people, right? Building relationships um, with people who are equal, equally, 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 I don't know what language that is. Uh, like we're equally passionate about building relationships and coffee, like mm -hmm. using coffee as that, as that vehicle. Um, I totally lost my train of thought. Can, can right? I? But the, the majority of my day, like I love processing coffee. I love the. Oh, it's super clear that you do what you love. Super and clear. I and tasting those mistakes, right? right. Learning from them, perfecting them. I mean, gosh, our uh, whole fruit maceration coffee took me three years to per like to perfect. It still is continually under review. Yeah. <laughs> right. But it is our, like, I, it doesn't even hit the market. It is sold out year on year on year on year, right? And, I mean, people are even buying the scraps. Right. What, scraps. And, and as you're on that point, can you tell people who buys your coffee? So that if they want to try your coffee, who are the people that's, that actually do get access to buy your coffee from the mainland? Very few. <laughs> <laughs> And mostly because I'm really intentional about the relationships, right? Like I look to partner with coffee roasters, like I said, who are passionate about building relationships, who are passionate about people and building up their team and giving their team opportunity to be leaders and become leaders. Um, and so it's almost like I'm interviewing you to be a partner with me to share my coffee because I'm hoping that you're going to talk story and tell a story that is worthy of monarch coffee that's worthy to be told, right? Mm. And so um, uh, our number one um, relationship, yep, our number one partner, um, I mean, they're kind of number one and number two, um, are Olympia Coffee Roasters out of Olympia, um, Washington. Um, it is our longest uh, most established relationship. They've been buying um, our coffee for the last, I mean, actually since 2019. So right. they have bias through the pandemic. We had a record breaking, busting, ball busting <laughs> cost of production year one year. And unfortunately we had to raise our green coffee prices astronomically mm -hmm. And Oliver stood by us and still supported. I mean, mind you, we didn't have the volume, right? I love his transparency. 
um, in the price that he pays for his green coffee. So if you want to know that, you can go to Olympia Coffee. Um, we partner with uh, Good Boy Bob Coffee Roasters. They're based out of like Santa Monica area. Again, um, it's about the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, we copy the Equator Coffees. Um, that's kind of what was our leg into the coffee industry. And um, we love and support everything that they're doing and they're growing. Oh my gosh. Astronomically same Mm -hmm. with Oliver, man, everybody's growing leads and bound. And I think that, um, like-minded people support like-minded people and it, um, yep. Your other, your other. Yep. So we're across, we're global and yeah. Um, cartel coffee roasters um, opening really their fourth store in dubai soon folks i can't and wait I to think, actually I, again i think i heard a rumor can we say the rumor which are rumor? They, are they aren't they featuring a special someone's coffee correct and that's what i'm about to say is that they're opening their fourth store in dubai and they're going to be featuring um monarch coffee at that store for the first time and we've also got angelinos that sell um, you know, um, right. yeah, they tell a wonderful story. If you've, you know, yeah. want to learn more about really like the nuts and bolts of Abby Munoz and, and her awesome, I, amazing son, yeah, <laughs> Joshua. We're talking to you. Yeah. Um, but what I love about my relationship with Angelina is, is right. I really firmly believe that there's a home for every coffee and a coffee yeah. for every home. And they have provided a platform for us to a place for Every there's not one coffee bean this year, well, in the last two years, um, that did not have a home. Yeah, that's amazing. And amazing. And, and these kinds of relationships is why it's important to be so intentional about the business strategy that you're going to market with. And this yeah. demonstrates that very openly and very transparently. And that's why I'm really proud to work with you guys, is because you're demonstrating that it is a lot of work. And this is why we say it's Herculean. People, anyone that comes to me and says, hey, Lee, I want to open a coffee roastery or I want to open a cafe. And I'm like, I don't work with people who just want to open average businesses. You came to me and you said you wanted to do some really interesting mammoth big things with what you're doing. And and that's not huge, massive revenue streams. It's that you wanted to be very intentional about the way that you went to market. For me, that's a really, really interesting project to get involved in and I'm very proud to be a part of it, mostly because I think that you are setting an example for the fact that it can be done. It's not easy, but it can be done no matter well, what it is. You can't forget Big Island Coffee Roasters either. No, 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 no. You can't we, forget Big Island Coffee Roasters. They also, yeah, and I mean we could be going and there are some heavy hitters that, you know, famous people that we see on Instagram and in championships and like, I'm amazed by what they've been able to do come from another country and open a coffee cafe and roastery, you know, on the mainland or yeah. I mean, right. Like, but on the same hand, are, are they building relationships that are meaningful? Right. We just got back from all over. We were at a funeral in Seattle and we got to go to Olympia Coffee Roasters mm-hmm. and got to have a tour of Oliver's space, right? 
I we did a cupping um toward their facility, their cafe, like the whole nine yards, right? And it was so awesome. Like Oliver's been to our farm and been a part of our farm and partaken in a lot of things and cuppings on our farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was so great to be on the other side, right? And he was equally as excited to share that. And um, I just don't know that some of these big guys that I, at one time, they were on my top 20 lists to be featured at. I, they're still on the list. I'm not going to cross them off, but it's just not as like. I will. I'll cross them off for you. It's fine. <laughs> I'm that asshole. But anyway, <laughs> I'm just tired of the people who are building unsustainably. And I'm only here to champion people who are setting an example for sustainable business practices um, and by sustainable business practices, we mean businesses that are likely to weather 2024 and 2025. This is going to be the year. Uh, this year and next year are going to be the years that show what I thought the pandemic was actually going to do. I thought the pandemic was going to help a lot of the businesses that needed to close to close. Um, and it only did kind of a fraction of the work that was necessary. So now we're going to see those people who got propped up by free money. We're going to see that actually the cans that were kicked down the road are going to stop. The the end of the road is going to come. It's unfortunate for their people though, right? It's unfortunate for a lot of things. It's it's heart-wrenching to watch it happen, which is why I'm so pissed um, that people have been so laissez-faire with the whole thing. You, you got thrown a lifeline and you got an extra three or four years out of your business. Most people didn't take the opportunity to build sustainably. What they did was they thought that they they thought that they actually had a great business. It was it was a lower on life support. And unfortunate, it's and that's the heart-wrenching part about it, is the pain out in the market is going to be even worse than it would have been. I want to um I want to say that I'm excited for the businesses who do get their moment to shine now because they did build sustainably and a lot of business owners are saying I'm so confused Lee. I'm so confused about how you were saying that the pandemic is going to help people close that needed to close and they they survived and we worked really hard to build sustainably and responsibly and and those people are still here. They'll get the you'll get the moment to shine now. So yeah, it's yeah, exciting. I realized today, and uh, I was invited to speak at another women's thing, right? Mm-hmm. And um, twenty years ago, in October twenty twenty four, my dad had a dis- like this grandiose idea to open a coffee farm. Twenty oh four. Really? Four. So this is 20 years. 20 years ago, wow. he uh, started coffee farming in Maui. And they think about like what that legacy has created and the gateway for that, right? And the opportunities that it's shown us and taught us or the many things that those 20 yeah, wow. years has taught us. But um, right, like looking into 2024 right like like what factors are going to influence like what is going to be the influence 
right? And it'll be really interesting to see, right? Like how the oh, economy, yeah. how the global market, how the labor market, all of it, all of it. right? How, like, is it going to have a continued, like, is it going to affect the tourism, right? Changes in production costs, like all of these things. And so, right? I mean, and then, like, let's add, like, what happens if other growing regions diversify crops, change their situations, right? I, You know, I think I've heard on your podcast folks that are taking out coffee trees and putting in other, oh, yeah. you know, like, like, or changing, you know, they're not, they're pull, ripping out all their gesha. Um, right. And so think about the Red Sea, right? Like shipping logistics. I mean, all of these things that are happening, right? Coffee pricing is an ever-changing like structure, right? Like it's a monster and it is, <laughs> But unfortunately for us in Kona, it can't just be based on the same product, right? And availability, right? And so we go back to what my passion is, right? Like if Mm. I could just be a coffee producer that happens to also love coffee roasting, I mean, really my dream would be just to produce delicious coffee that Oliver or Eric from Good Boy Bob can showcase on their coffee bar and have go to cartel, right? Like, so that globally people could experience this gem or what I consider a gem, right? Like my favorite child is Gesha, (laughs) Um, right? If only that's what, uh, if that was my only job, but I also have to be a farm tour guide, a barista, a coffee roaster. Right, because those are the things. That's the revenue that helps support Monarch Coffee being able to stay within a competitive price market. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I've seen coffee other Kona coffee farmers charging what much more for a Kona Tipica. Not yeah, even wow. Takamara, right now. Of course, I'd love to be able to get high top dollar. But I also want everybody to get to enjoy it yeah. and get to have a taste, right? And so I feel like as a coffee industry in Kona, like, keeps growing, right? I hope that it becomes more inclusive, right? Like, us as producers, I, like, hope that everybody could be, like, an inclusive right. thing. could be inclusive, like, people enjoying Kona coffee could be, right, more inclusive, but my hope ultimately is the next generation. Right. It's not about my generation. You're it's right. the next, it's the next one. The Joshua's and, right. Yeah. Like, will they show an interest in growing coffee? Because they are the ones that are more environmentally conscious, right? Right. They are aware of their social responsibilities. They're the ones that like can, are the next innovators, right? Maybe. They're going to be the ones that are going to take Kona coffee production to a more sufficient and sustainable, but we got to have some that are interested, right? Like, well, let me stop you there on that because that's going to lead us into our next episode, which is going to be about labor. And this is where this starts to become a real deep dive into not only the next generation of 
the labor force or the current generation of the labor force, but where is our next generation of business owners going to come from? Because coffee isn't a profitable product across the board. So join us for the next episode, folks, because that's going to be a deep dive that we're going to do about Hawaiian coffee, but it is a mirror for all origins of coffee. Peace, love, and peanut butter. Have an amazing rest of your day. I really hope you enjoyed this episode, friends. Please don't forget to show us some love by subscribing, liking, commenting, and most of all, sharing this podcast with your friends. Check the show notes for links, including our sponsors and our Patreon. And stay tuned for more great conversations on the Daily Coffee Pro by Mapper Forward.